Welcome back to The Bliss of the Abyss with your host, Robin Newmark-Jones. That's me. Hello, and thanks for tuning in again. This week on the podcast, we have a dear friend of mine and a geopolitics expert, Chris Burks. And of course, we are discussing the war in Ukraine. So last week, we had a Ukrainian, my friend Rob Feldman, from the ground in Ukraine. This week, we have a slightly removed perspective Although it's not entirely removed because, as you'll hear in this episode, Chris's partner is just about to head to the Polish-Ukrainian border on humanitarian work. So, um, good luck out there. Again, I'm not going to say any names, just in case. But um, stay safe. Uh, I'll be thinking of you. We have couple of people who've read up about it and have immersed themselves in this war. Chris is a fanatic on this stuff. This is what he spends his time doing when he's not doing other things. Um, And then next week, we're going to have a Russian on the show. I can't say too much about what that's going to be. And I'm going to be hiding their identity for obvious security reasons. But I wanted to give a few different perspectives on this war. So one from the ground in Ukraine, one from a removed Western perspective, one from the ground in Russia. And I'm going to try and find a a pro-invasion voice so that I can hear exactly where they're coming from, how they have arrived at that conclusion, because it's so... Obviously, to me, uh, a no-brainer, but it's not a simple situation, is it? So, of course, I'm completely against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I was against the annexation of Crimea and the subsequent Russian military activities in eastern Ukraine. But there's a lot of people who aren't, and some of them are bad faith actors and some of them are stooges. And some of them are paid lip service. But I believe there are some true believers out there who I think are deluded. And uh, I've reached out to a few people. I'm going to keep reaching out to a few more. Typically, a lot of these people do not want to engage in this discussion because their arguments, quite frankly, cannot hold up to scrutiny. But if someone is willing to engage with me on this... Maybe write in blissoftheabyss at gmail.com. I'd be fascinated to hear from you. Hey, if you really truly believe it, then stand by it and be willing to hear the opposing side. Because from where I'm sitting, there is no defense. You can talk to me all you like about Russian sphere of influence and... Ukrainian biochemical labs that target Russian DNA as if that held any weight for those of you who don't know that is one of the Russian propaganda talking points that they have these bio labs that Ukrainians have been developing that would specifically target Russian DNA well how does that work considering there are so many ethnic Russians in Ukraine a massive proportion go and look at the population stats and you think if that makes any sense anyway 
I am open to having a discussion with someone who genuinely believes that. So if you can find someone or if you know someone, send them my way. I'd be fascinated to hear and engage with them on that. In the meantime, I'm going to present these at least three sides of this debate. So firstly, we had Feldman, who is living in the war right now in Ukraine. Let me give his uh, location away, but he's right there. And I'm sure we'll have him back on soon to see how things have evolved. And uh, thanks to everyone who supported um, the fundraiser. We we did we did manage to raise some money for for that, and of course all of the money from the Patreon donations that month all went towards the link that Rob gave us to help Ukraine. I will put that link again in this week's show notes as well. Um, and then this week, we're going to have more of a removed academic, in quotes, perspective on the war, looking at it from a more geopolitical lens. And then, like I said, we're going to have a Russian on the ground in a uh, place in Russia. And I'm going to do my best to keep this person completely anonymous because they're going to be speaking in very difficult situation um, and crazy circumstances where they don't have control of their own destiny. And I'm going to do my absolute best to make sure I do not endanger this person because I think when you hear what they have to say, that it will be a perspective that needs to be heard and will make you think. Anyway, this is the bliss of the abyss. And we thought when we started this podcast that we'd get through COVID and get out the other side. And, you know, I've got an audition next week and it's in person. And those are starting to come back. So there is going to be a change. And I think the world was getting ready for that change. After years of lockdowns and masks and vaccines and lives put on hold and careers snafued. And now instead, we have war in Europe for the first significant time since World War Two. I believe uh, 10 million people displaced, millions of refugees. And this is not to downplay any other war or conflict that may have been going on since or may still be going on. And we get into these conflicts actually in this discussion, Syria, Yemen, Georgia, many others as well. This is not to downplay that. I am against the war. I am against any war. As you'll hear in this podcast, if you get that far, me and Chris talk about Chislehurst Caves, which is a man-made cave complex in the UK that was excavated initially thousands of years ago and used by the Druids, the Saxons, the Romans, and then... Um, the British in World War One as a munition store and in World War Two as a bomb shelter 
um, where up to 15,000 people at one point were staying there every night. And that was fighting what I would call and what John Rawls calls a just war. And I would not be talking to you today if the Nazis had not been defeated in that war. I have some British, quote-unquote, blood inside of me and some Jewish. And some of those are the same blood. And you know what? Fuck it. It doesn't fucking matter. But all of that war stuff, that war stuff, what an academic, is bollocks. Okay? But unfortunately, there are aggressors in this world. And there are defenders. And right now, I think, and I am throwing my weight behind, the fact that we need to defend Ukraine against this illegal, immoral aggression against their sovereignty, against that nation, against their people, against their children, elderly, men, women, everybody, artists, scientists, fathers, daughters, sisters, everybody. And so that's why I am focusing on this. Because who knows where the fuck we will be it's the 20th of March, 2022. And I am praying that this conflict has some kind of positive outcome. But you tell me, Bliss of the Abysses, where you see that. Because right now, from where I'm sitting, the best I can see is a ceasefire and Ukraine ceding territory, and Russia gaining a land grab. You tell me if you feel more confident. Because it could get a hell of a lot worse than that, but that does not feel like justice to me. And in fact, um, since we recorded this show uh, last night, <clears throat> minutes after we stopped recording, a ceasefire was offered by the Russians in Mariupol which the Ukrainians quite swiftly rejected. Um, and to be honest, I can see why, quite frankly, if you've read up on any of the quote-unquote humanitarian corridors that Russia has opened Ukraine, only to then fire on people trying to evacuate or fire on people who were just still there and there was no ceasefire actually offered. It was all a lie. So... Um, the, the poor people of Mariupol seem destined to suffer another day of conflict. But we'll see the situation is developing rapidly. That is true as of now the 21st of March. Anyway, in this discussion... <clears throat> sorry, it's late. My voice is leaving me. In this discussion, we do get into all of this. And it's a fascinating discussion with a very learned person and then me as well. So, without any further ado, would you please welcome Mr. Chris Tuffer Bucks. Recording in progress, did you hear that? I did, yeah. It's all good. I've got okay. it being recorded, it's okay. 
Okay, brilliant. Okay, well, welcome back to the Bliss of the Abyss international relations expert, Christopher Monsignor Burks. Uh, I'm not an expert, I'm just an enthusiast. And that is um, actually true, I'm not an expert, I am just an enthusiast. I believe you have a degree in history. I have a good degree in history, but only to a Bachelor of Arts level. Uh, uh, you know, that did not turn into a glorious uh, master's in international relations or, or anything like that. Uh, that, is the, uh, that is the end of my decorated expertise. That's right. Um, but you are an enthusiast, as you said. Me and you have talked about history well into the night. I think we've read up on it a lot. And we understand sort of the broader arcs, the broad themes. Yes. We know quite a lot about leaders throughout history and yes. movements. Yes. And Can I just, is this is this video going out to people at the, all? The video, probably. I'll put it probably on the Patreon. Right. Okay. Well, so people on Patreon, then uh, the the what is it? The Berlin and the Stalingrad uh, you can see behind me are not representative of <laughs> my uh, uh, my uh, historical uh, what's the word preclusions. They're just. They're just good reads. They just happen to be carefully yeah. placed in view. <laughs> they're just good reads. They're not. They're not my favourites. <laughs> um, but also, obviously, um, your partner is about to head to the front line. Is yeah, it tomorrow? She is. Yeah, yeah. Um, my partner works for the Red Cross, so she's uh, going out there tomorrow for. Well, she's going to the Polish-Ukrainian border um, to sort of just sort of witness what's going on there, really, and also try and get some get some stories from there as well of volunteers probably not of refugees um given you know the sensitivity of their situation um but yeah hopefully of some uh, uh volunteers as well to try and get some of that story back because of course the worst thing about oh no, not the worst thing but the thing about people giving huge amounts of money so do you know, the uk has given enough to the red cross to be the equivalent of more than three pounds for every single person living in the country which is great yeah but the problem is uh, a lot of that's come through uh, newspapers, etc., uh, and indeed people. And one of the big problems with being a charity, when you get money, when you go and do it, is obviously people want to see uh, what 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 that, what that money can do. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, she's going out um, to sort of um, do a little bit of that as well, try and get some stories back. Right. Make yeah. sure that uh, the money's going to the right places. Well, I can assure you the money is going to the right places. Good. Yeah, because um, I know that people are very worried about that. Yeah, no, it's perhaps. absolutely going to the right places. Um, yeah. But it's more about getting those stories back to show people that it is going to the right places. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Because um, so obviously today we're going to be pretty much focused heavily on on the unfolding war in Ukraine yeah. um, because of the sheer amount of stories. And um, yeah. Like one today, let's kick kick it off with this. One today that I read about, I don't know if you've seen this, I'll be sharing my screen a lot, I imagine you will be as well, um, is this about, well, perhaps you can read the headline. Have you seen this one? Uh, it says that uh, uh, 56 elderly people killed by Russian forces. Uh, okay, yeah, right. so yeah. it's this. Yeah. So this is a quote from Ludmila Denisova, who's Ukraine's human rights ombudsman, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who says that um, in the town of Kremina on March 11th, Russian occupiers cynically and purposely fired from a tank at home for the elderly. Mm -hmm. 56 residents who lived to their old age died on the spot. Mm -hmm. And then the survivors, which were 15 people, were abducted by the occupiers and taken to an occupied territory in Svatove to the mm -hmm. region geriatric boarding school yeah um it's just one of those 
many stories that's coming out. Um, yeah. And there's so many. It's such a uh, an overwhelming amount. Yeah. It's such a quick pace. Yes. Obviously, I don't want to be spreading misinformation. This ah, is yes. from this is from the Guardian, who yeah. in general are quite a trusted news source. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it, so what you're jumping in at here, misinformation, who to trust, what to trust, when not to trust it, is probably my big thing uh, in terms of uh, not just this war, but actually uh, what's been going on in Ukraine since 2014. Since and Crimea and the revolution. Since, well, well, actually, more the spring, but yes, of course, it yeah. wasn't called the spring. What was it called? It had a name. Revolution of Colour, is it? The... Right, exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's there's that 14 and Crimea and Syria and Yemen. So, again, where I was very frustrated for all these years about what do I do to find information, A, when um, the mainstream media gets bored, as it does tend to do. I mean, mm. like, you know, who's heard about Syria um, in mm. X amount of years? Oh, but guess what? It's been going on for you know over a decade um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, same with Yemen, all these sort of things. Uh, so that's A, what, where to find information when like the media gets bored and B, as you rightly say, well, hang on a minute. And this, this came up for me quite a lot in the revolution of color. That's what it's called. Um, yeah. uh, and, um, Syria, when I started to get the situation where like there was another discourse, there was another narrative coming in, which was totally odd to the narrative that I was receiving from my good old fashioned BBC and everything else. And I started mm. to be like, well, hang on a minute. What, what, what's, what's true? Maybe, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the Ukrainian Nazis did open fire in the square first. And it was the, 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 the Ukrainian army that was protecting people. Mm. You know, maybe it was uh, the rebel, maybe it was the Syrian rebels that dropped the chemical bombs first, you know, that sort of thing. Or maybe they were doing it as well there is this thing i hope you've come across it if people haven't come across it they must come across it it is called bellingcat uh aha uh -huh. i mean hey great yeah. great tip let me look it up carry on absolutely so bellingcat they have a website and it's very very good but really what you want to be following is the twitter so bellingcat is open source um news analysis source analysis um, and at, so at a very, very basic level, let's say there is, you know, a guy being interviewed somewhere in the world, somewhere. What Bellingcat will do, they'll look at that footage and they'll look at the footage and they'll look at the topography, the buildings in the background, compare that to Google Maps, compare that to other footage from similar places, blah, 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 blah. And essentially build up the story of, yes, they were there or no, they were not there. Uh, and so actually mm. it works as a, it, is, it is actual real debunking. Um, and they became very famous because they were the guys that essentially proved that the, uh, oh my God, I'm going to forget the number. That's terrible. MH211, 217. Oh the, my gosh. The, uh, the, the Malaysian. Yeah, uh, that was shot down. Yeah. So they were the guys that proved that it was it was the Russian separatists, because you may remember there was a whole, no, it wasn't Russian separatists, it was Ukraine. They were the guys, and what they did was they intercepted some uh, radio telephone calls, did voice analysis against mm. those things to known recordings of other players on the scene, and were able to say, this person, this telephone call is this person here. They've also done a little bit of something that's not quite so, if you like, war. So they, with the explosion in Beirut, were able to look at all the different angles and say, okay, well, this color emerges here. So that suggests that this chemical was in the, you know, so I'm talking about the explosion when that, um, when that dock went up, when that storage thing went up in Lebanon. Uh, so not quite so overtly war. So anyway, that's what they do. And they right. are amazing. 
uh, it's not it's not, it's not just Bellingcat, but they sort of have a big retweet network, mm. and essentially that is what I follow, and that is how I sort of work out what is or isn't going on. Um, it's obviously not they don't do everything, um, but it's really good in working out what is real and what isn't real. And I sort of am of the opinion that unless I've seen it proven or analysed on Bellingcat. This is basically by the the internet, by the open source. By right. the, everybody, everybody does this. That's the idea. You could right now go and look at some photographs, could try and geolocate it to Google Maps, and you could upload your or re, or tweet your findings to Bellingcat, and they would that would become part of their investigation. Um, uh, so, for example, today there's been a big thing. So, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's been today and yesterday. So the Russian separatists, remember them? They released yeah. a, a video of uh, sort of saying we've just used thermo, um, thermo barbic, thermo barbaric, thermo bear. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thermo barbaric, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thermo barbaric. So the, the ones that just... cause even more damage, isn't it? Yeah, like the first it, like explosion. puts particles in the air and then it ignites the particles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I think it's like bunker busting or at least an evolution of bunker busting. Anyway. So the separatists sent out this video saying, here is the first glorious use of thermobaric weapons. And what for the last two days, Bellingcat have been doing is that they go, oh, right, this is interesting. So hang on, so what angle is this looking at? Okay, so this appears to be firing therefore to in these possible directions. Oh, notice those rockets have set fire to the ground around it. Let's go on Google Maps and let's see where we can see some burnt um, uh, fields in that area. And they're doing a really, what they're trying to do really is they're trying to work out where that was fired uh, because obviously, if it was fired at a you know at a civilian place, let's say Mariupol, which is obviously what people are really looking at, then yeah. we might have some actual evidence here of um, of, uh, of, uh, of, a, of a crime, of a war crime, of a crime against humanity, whichever you know terminology you're choosing. Uh, and yeah, so that's the sort of amazing stuff that they do. Um, and basically, yeah, if you don't follow Bellingcat, if you don't know about Bellingcat, welcome to your new way of following the situation. Uh, so have and, they for you have they is there has there been any like big scoops that they've bunked or debunked oh dude in this, this, this war this there's so well so for this war i mean there's for so this many, so war there's, yeah so there's a there's so first of all there's endless you can look at now so much evidence of use of use of cluster bombs um which russia have been doing since day one which is sort of amazing is, really they're banned aren't they yeah well they're banned but russia and ukraine have not signed up to not using them. And Bellingcat ah. are not biased. They have also been looking at saying, well, there's a possibility of it being used by Ukraine, although nowhere near as, uh, although they haven't, I didn't see much more on that. I just saw the, the main guy, this guy Elliot saying, can I get more pictures of here, please? Can we look into this? But loads but of- But Russia just egregious. Oh, dude, like from day one, which is sort of amazing, really. Um, but the B-Scoots really is, so there's been a really interesting, a new thing, which is so loads of uh, Russian debunking stuff turned up. So saying, do not believe this piece of Ukrainian propaganda. You know, so for example, it'd be a blown up tank with a Z on it. And the Russian debunking yeah. is, well, this, this isn't that. Actually, this is a Ukrainian tank and they've put the Z on and they'll show the before with no Z and an after with Z. But what Bellingcat found, this is this amazing new phenomena, was that that debunking is actually fake. And so the first time that the that the vid, that the picture with no Z emerges is in the debunking that claims that it's been going around as propaganda. So it's sort of we're really through the looking glass here, where there's 
disinformation, disproving disinformation. Well, no, that's it. Disinformation, disproving disinformation that actually never was disinformed in the first place. So that sort of stuff is really, really incredible. Um, But also the main thing about Bellingcat, because they've been following this for so long, they've been following Syria. They've been following uh, because like Russia are very heavily involved in Syria and have been for. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about the troops, but but. Yeah, well, yeah, well, exactly. But so carry they, on, and we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah, so, and essentially, what, what the Bellingham thing is, and it's like, well, actually, the precedent here is basically, uh, you know, I don't want to say, they don't, they're, you know, they're very good. They're, they're like, we don't want to say, ignore everything that Russia says, but what we've learned over the last eight years of following the Russian propaganda system very, very closely is essentially don't believe that anything Russia says. And there's a really interesting thing. So, for example, you remember when everyone was saying, oh, Russia are talking about the use of chemical weapons. And we, for example, you know, we had our prime minister and everyone else saying, we think this is going, we think this is going to be evident. This, we think they're setting up to use chemical weapons themselves. Mm. But it's interesting that Bellingcat was saying, nah, mate, they've talked like this all the time. This is what they do all the time in Syria. They're not, they're not even doing that. They're just, they're just filling the airwaves with stuff. Just as much crap as you can yeah. plug, Belling- so it's Belling- non-stop. Exactly. Bellingcat said, if they do go on to use chemical weapons on the basis of this, that would be the exception. Uh, uh, yeah, so really interesting stuff like this. Now, the what... Go on. Terrifying. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. But hold your point, because I am interested yeah. to, to see where you're going to go. But I wanted to ask about the Syria thing, because... Yeah, oh, dude, yeah. Obviously, one of the narratives that I think might have been lost maybe um amidst all of the the headlines and screaming and the back and forth is like you said this war in syria that's been going on for uh, over a decade and the fact that Basad was basically about to fall before russia came in and propped him up yeah yeah and and he's now cashing in his chips and i read it's up to forty thousand. Syrian troops who are going to be drafted to fight yes. with yes. the Russians in yes. the Ukrainian front. Yeah. Have you read this as well? Yeah, I have. Although this is a wonderful thing about, you know, uh, sort of the caveat would be there's some great guys that are involved, you know, because I say not just Bellingcat retweet really good people. You end, you end up finding yourself in this really good network. And there's a really mm. good tweet that said, well, yeah, 40,000 Syrians might be coming, but logistics is still the problem. And if they mm. still have no food and if they still have no weapons, then, you know, uh, you know, that. So that, it's more like, yeah. he's like yeah we'll send 40,000 troops yeah and but it so, may not what I was saying right. it may not it may not be how is that like, oh god here comes 40,000 crack death troops although they right. are troops very very good at fighting street to street which is one thing the Russians are not interested in or experienced in at all as Chechnya uh, and Assyria show us Groshny. Um, yeah exactly um but but this the, the Syria the man the Syria thing I personally think that this is what this is all about I think that the history books in X amount of years will not say and then in 2022 Russia invaded Ukraine this will be an event as part of the long involvement in the Syrian war is my personal well it's not personal for God's sake of sure no 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 there's there's other so why do you think why do you think Syria is the linchpin underneath this because basically Russia have got themselves in a situation whereby now I'm going to get my dates wrong a bit I I think it was eight years ago they got involved and I think it was something like six years ago 
there was sort of like you know the russians very much if you like were able to not the russians and the Syrians were able to say we've won for want of a better word or it's over for want of a better word but basically since then six years i think forgive me on the I dates think, everybody yeah the, we can we idea. can check this they've yeah. basically been unable to uh leave assad to do his own thing he, they, he they've been unable to sort of create a stable assad capable of fighting and defending and supporting himself yeah. um or themselves if you just think of the government uh, and so russia basically got themselves stuck in syria um and this has started to get really quite bad because so first of all there's a big american supported third in the middle uh, which is stubborn and won't go anywhere. So they're sort of locked in this sort of proxy battle here between them. I mean, because obviously the Russians are quite directly involved, actually. It's not yeah. just like Russian supported, you know, they're sort of... No, no, uh, boots on the ground, it's elite sport boot, yeah, forces exactly. and they're training the, the uh, Syrian and, army. And obviously and... the Air Force and all sorts, yeah. yeah. So they've got this problem where there's a third of the Americans here, so they're stuck there. But the big problem for me and where I think there's some real clues as to what this is all about is the fact that they're fighting Turkey, really, in the, in the northwest of Syria. And yeah. this, nearly, this nearly went hot last year, year before, nearly went directly between them. Um, and Turkey have also been selling drones to Ukraine. And in the months just, well, yeah, quite a few months, but in the months before this Ukrainian invasion, uh, the Turkish drones were kicking Russian armor's ass in the Donbass. Ah, oh, yeah, exactly. Story. So all of a sudden this Turkish supplied machinery to Ukraine was starting to turn the tide in the Donbass, which has basically been a fairly, for want of a better word, for Russia, stable war insofar as, yeah, we're able to sort of... They kind of assumed it. control of that region exactly. quite yeah, a while ago and basically exactly. have run it de facto since exactly. then. Exactly. But yeah. so Turkish hardware seems to have been turning the corner. So look, I'll be honest, I've not found too many people online in the world saying that actually this is a geopolitical turkey v russia thing but i personally think? think that's going on so so then riddle me this because one of the other headlines i've seen doing the rounds is that turkey have been one of the so they control the straits of hormuz right yeah, exactly. and they have been one if not the main "Quote unquote peace broker exactly in attempting to cease fire, and they're yes. obviously they have their hands in both pots. They exactly Erdogan and Putin have a close connection, but also Turkey and Ukraine do a lot of deals as well. Yeah. So, do you think Turkey are just trying to play both sides and like keep their cards close to their chest, and whoever wins, they win? Well, I think it's a. I think it's. I think what we're what we're witnessing from the outside and probably not really understanding it is a genuine geopolitical sort of you know discussion. Whereas the reason Turkey are involved is because they're like higher, we're involved. Um, right. You know, we are the other power in this region, particularly yeah. if you consider the Black Sea as being sort of the yeah. situation. I mean, normally mediators in things are either like completely and utterly neutral people, respected people from far away. Right. Or they're people big, with... Big players in the, the region. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, and if you notice as well, like, you know, Turkey haven't been properly let in. They're sort of negotiating in Turkey, but it's Zelensky yeah. that's sort of saying, can we talk in Turkey? Zelensky also was saying, he's sort of putting pressure on, on Israel as well. So Israel yeah. and, and sort of Turkey are both playing this we want to mediate game, 
both seem to be being let in, but, but neither are sort of officially being 100% let in. Um, so yeah, they both, again, you've got this sort of, this is what I'm saying, I think there's actually some real regional Syria-based geopolitics going on, and that we in the West are sort of not really part of that story, and so maybe aren't really 100% aware. This, this, this of course might be, this of course might not, this might, this might not be true. Hey, maybe he is just uh, he, Putin. It's obviously not just Putin. There's, it's very more complicated than individuals, but for ease, let's just run with that. Um, yeah, maybe he is just, you know, wanting Ukraine. Maybe he is just threatened by NATO, but I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that narrative yeah, at yeah. all. No way. No, exactly. No, exactly. I, I, I mean, do exactly what think... Said, though, caveat, caveat. Yeah. I do think the expansion of NATO has been, you know, a little bit, well, not a little bit, <laughs> really aggressive and short-sighted. Pretty gung-ho. Um but you know yeah i think i personally think because there's a big problem so there's this big thing uh the fsb letters have you seen or heard of these ah okay no i have not so for those who don't know fsb read kgb they're the successor so what are the fsb letters so the fsb letters is this supposed whistle whistleblower in the fsb that has basically released some stuff about um about the war and there's so much interesting stuff in it. Now, is it genuine? Isn't it genuine? The 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 the, the what the I think the general opinion is probably genuine. But there might and, be some bullshit in there. Well, it's more like it's more like it's it seems to be so damning of the of the war effort and so damning of the situation in Russia internally that's led to this that it obviously you know the accusation is does that play a little bit into the western discourse of you know corruption blah 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 oh so this is very interesting so is this it this is our ukraine yes. fsb whittle less than number five Gordian knot so there's translation so that it seems like there's a bunch of these letters yeah um, yeah 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 they're really interesting if but obviously so so why are they, why might they not be genuine well they play a little bit into the western discourse of you know putin's corrupt it's all yes men they've done something they didn't want to do and now they're screwed but why and so what, what are they purported to be just so I understand, this is are they, are they leaked cables from SFB? No, it's basically supposed to be a leaked bunch of letters from a guy that works in the FSB saying, oh my God, I can't believe this is going on. Here are all the reasons I can't believe going on. You know, the main sort of what's the word, the, the big over, the big over, what's the word? Well, the top headline is we were being asked by our superiors to give reports on what would happen if we invaded Ukraine. They ask us this sort of shit all the time. So we gave them the standard answer, which is, you know, We'll be welcomed as heroes with but with flowers, and it'll be really easy and cheap because that's what we do. Because we don't lose our jobs. Because if we ever say anything that criticizes Russia, we get told to do our jobs better. And the idea is, is that this has happened, and this guy's basically saying, "Holy shit! If they did this based on the sort of stuff that I gave them, then this is complete nonsense because what I gave them wasn't based on anything at all." So that's the top headline. And that's obviously why, why, where you got to think, well, this might not be genuine because that feeds quite a lot into the Western discourse. However, why might it be genuine? Well, the sources seem pretty good, actually. The guy it's come from is uh, somebody that sort of has got pretty, pretty, pretty good, um, uh, what's the word, um, credentials and this sort of thing. And also there's a lot in there which is completely not in the Western discourse at all. Um, and one of them, for example, being the concern that this guy has about the regiments or the regiment, I believe, uh, in Syria, that if this carries on, that they'll, these guys, they'll be completely cut off 
and there'll be a huge mess. There's the implication in this that this whole war is equals a very short-sighted and old-fashioned thing of like, things are going bad, i.e. in Syria, so we do this to make it okay. Well, like, so it's, it's just a way of distracting from that distraction yeah or also just a just a very uh, what's the word um crude way of changing the the negotiating table in um in syria speaking it, of crude i think a lot of the narrative in the west we get is is very crude and very simplistic it's like oh, here's yeah. here's crazy vlad yeah exactly. at the end of this long table exactly yeah being like i will reform the social yeah no, exactly. do you know what i mean it's like ussr forever and it's like yeah exactly you really think it's it's that simple or but yeah. but most people don't sort of care to try and dig underneath that they're like okay he's a madman he's no, the new exactly. hitler and obviously yeah. you can draw comparisons all you want and there are plenty of comparisons to draw but, but the fact is that's the that's the that's the wonderful thing about history there's always comparisons yeah you know? yeah yeah i mean and there, there you know there's tons of them like forced repatriation one of the other things i was reading today here i don't know if you've seen this story have you seen this is another one i was looking today unconfirmed reports of thousands being transported to russia yeah yeah so yeah. this is forced civilian deportation. So this gets crazy. So yeah. people who are saying, I've only heard it, I can't confirm it, but yeah. several thousand Maripol residents have been deported to Russia. Yeah. They've been issued papers that require them to be in a certain city. They have no right to leave it for at least two years and they have the obligation to work at a specified place of work. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, so look, obviously this is awful and I'm not saying it's not awful, but this is the thing as well. It's like, but then, you know, this is what happens when places get occupied. Mm. You know, if you occupy somewhere, you don't tend to allow people to go about their business as they want to. No. Uh, and, and so this is, this is sometimes, sometimes the narrative I get as well when I'm a bit like, well, if it is a war, a proper war, then it's not, Chris. It's a special military operation. It's a special, it's a special military operation. Not realize yeah, that. exactly. Uh, and it's like, well, really awful, awful, terrible, terrible things happen um, in 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 war and sort of reinforced repatriation. You know, some you, you might even say that's like, well, thank God they've maybe gone somewhere that isn't isn't the front isn't line. Isn't Mariupol? Yeah, <sighs> I mean, it's, it's you know, just just putting that out there. Um, right. Yeah, Mariupol in particular seems to be, you know, like, like, you know, they've really picked up. But I didn't realize this until I was reading up on it. Mariupol, you see, is the big Ukrainian victory of the Crimean annexation, which yeah. I was unaware of until recently. Yeah, this is this is where... the what I what I know of it is um, city of four and a half million is U Ukraine's main port into that water. It yeah. also is a massive city that basically blocks russia since they annexed crimea yeah. it blocks them having a land bridge mm -hmm, mm -hmm. between crimea and those two breakaway regions yeah, that are yeah. in effect russia and so russia spent some hundreds of millions of dollars creating this big bridge mm. that joins crimea with mainland russia but obviously it's a bridge and they'd rather just have the land yeah yeah, so yeah. they've surrounded it and they're shelling the fuck out of it. They're oh, bombing yeah. hospitals and civilians and all the rest of it. And if they take it, then yeah. then I guess. So, yeah. What do you think? Do you think what, I don't think so. This is one narrative I've seen and I don't think this is true. I don't think 
Russia's end game, quote unquote Russia, right? Whatever the forces, the power behind the army. I don't think the end game is complete annihilation or conquest of Ukraine. Yeah. I think it's uh, a land grab. Yeah. So I think, well, I mean, obviously I've, I've no idea. Yeah, um, of course. I, I, I think there probably was at some point, you know, if, if, if we are to assume that he expected to be welcomed with flowers, as is the standard trope, yeah. uh, then he probably was like, and we'll just install a puppet government. Um, right. I think land grab is probably the, what he really wants right now, or what Russia really wants right now as a way to sort of, uh, what's the word, get a win. Uh, and I come back to my previous point that I wonder if all of this, if all of this is about something elsewhere i.e syria Area. yeah i just i just think it's all it's i just think i mean you think about for example the links between you know uh you know american foreign policy in the middle east and it just sort of became a huge you know we got you know, hey we yeah we were involved oh well, yeah uh, we, 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 we were we were the little brother in the whole thing we sort of ended up getting involved in one thing after the other and they're all touted as being separate things, but actually, really, they all boiled down to this first thing that we had done in Afghanistan, for example, and creating this huge power vacuum and, you know, maybe not getting what we wanted, whatever that was. Was that oil? Was that terrorists? Was that stability? Who knows? And sort of ended up then fighting this thing where we sort of ended up having to do millions of other things because we'd made a mess. And I, I, I suspect that, so obviously I don't know anything about Russia internally. I will point out, you know, uh, say to every, and say to everybody here who obviously thinks, what the fuck is Chris talking about? He doesn't know anything. He's like, no, I don't, I don't. I'm only, only knowing as much as I can sat here. But I just personally think that it's in Syria. I mean, that's such a, that place is such a mess and yeah. it's completely destroyed. All the, I don't think any of the players there want to be there anymore, except maybe Turkey, who probably do actually quite want to be there a bit more, because um, uh, obviously they historically want the uh, the uh, the Kurdish the Kurdish regions. Uh, that, that so do you think so? So do you think then then the whole Syria thing? Because obviously America are, are involved in there because well, originally they were fighting on the side of of. Supplying, and that's because that we, we went in that weird thing where after Iraq and after everything else, we went, fighting doesn't work. Maybe we give everyone weapons, it'll be like yeah, fighting. We'll just arm them. Turned out to be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you thought. But then, but from, from, from Russia's point of view, what's their advantage of being in Syria? Because, I mean, apart from just having someone else on their side in this increasingly bipolar yeah, well, see, well, geopolitical think, world but i think i think that's what it's about because if so syria war off the top of my head started 2011 i think i'll check it yeah and i think russia only get involved in 2015 oh, so i was wrong earlier when i said eight years i think it's therefore seven years i think russia only get involved in 2015 Officially, I mean, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm, undoubtedly, they were involved. Uh, so you're before. right. It began on the 15th of March, 2011, as part of the Arab Spring, of course. Um, the peak of the war was around 2015, so that would have been when ISIS had a massive amount of territory. Uh -huh. 
Turkish oh, forces yeah, so here we are. since, since 2016. Where, where? Since, since, since September 2015, uh, Russia conducting airstrikes and military operations. So, right. again, if you look at the time, I mean, look, again, unfortunately, I'm not nearly enough as an expert on this as I could or should be, but the colour, the, I'm so sorry. Colour revolution. Colour revolution. So yeah. I'm so obsessed with that as well. It's terrible. I don't know the, the, the proper name. Uh, so that's 2014. And so it's perfectly plausible in my brain that obviously Russia then decides to take a, a bigger front foot in, in Syria after the US and the, U, and the UK and the West started to basically put weapons into Ukraine to, um, to aid the, the rebels there, rebels, uprisers, um, protesters, whatever you want to call them. So I think there's probably a situation where Russia were like, well, what the fuck? And therefore, OK, well, now we've got to be a bit more front footed in protecting our um, areas of influence. Yeah. So this is this is something I wanted to talk to you about, because this areas of influence I've heard on the pro-Russia side. This is one of their biggest arguments of yeah. this sphere of influence. And, and I think you did also mention that look, NATO have yeah. their own sphere of influence and yeah. have quite aggressively expanded. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and. I mean, you could argue Russia have more aggressively expanded their sphere of influence because that's how Georgia and Crimea, in terms of actual sort of they've actually, bullets, yeah, yeah sure, they've sure, they've sure. taken over swaths of territory with guns rather than with treaties. Yeah, sure. Uh, whereas NATO have just brought in like the Balkan states, mm. or you know, but I completely agree. But then again, if what I always say, if if the NATO expansion was so innocent and benevolent why why so willingly and keenly and uh, quickly be interested in taking in all the ex-soviet states so this is the thing yeah. the nato's done that amazing thing go gosh well i think it's very strange that they're concerned about geopolitical areas of influence it's like well that's interesting because you've been mega expanding yours and and sort of actively saying that you hope georgia and hope ukraine can come into it and it's like yeah i think you're playing geopolitics too but do you not think that um that what russia are doing now is surely just gonna drive oh yeah no people into hey. nato's arms i yeah, mean no I, I, if absolutely. you were a satellite state and you saw what russia are doing now in ukraine you'd be like yeah, well if i join up with nato and absolutely. they try that shit in my country then nato absolutely. are gonna fight back no of course no i mean and this you know i, I think in you know in that sense yes it could produce a, a much more polarized world and could bring nato much more to russia's doorstep but you see what what this comes back to for me is that we we the west forgive me everybody i will use terrible terms like we and, and they because you know unfortunately that's the media i grew up in but mm. we didn't treat russia very nicely uh when when the soviet union broke up uh so you know when 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 germany went through their troubles uh you know end of nazi uh, end of the nazi regime and indeed after you know reunification you know the world put loads of effort into making sure that germany was going to be stable but loads of effort into making sure you know you know that you know the post treaty of versailles mess would not happen again germany would not become looted by its own blah 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 yeah and we didn't do that at all with the with the the new russian federation in fact, no. we, we basically left them to their own devices and sort of allowed them to, uh, you know, be become a, a corrupt... An oligarch state. Corrupt, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, forgive me if anybody doesn't think that's corrupt, but the, the kleptocracy of it yeah. all definitely is corrupt. 
Um, oh, I, I watched this documentary the other day about how Abramovich made his money. Yeah, it's yeah. astonishingly corrupt. Yeah, yeah. it, it and, was. Yeah, and, it's. And, and, and we basically let that happen, and we sort of let Russia. We know we were basically what I'm saying is we we were never friends to them. So we did no. this thing whereby they went through this monumental shift, and we basically never said you know welcome. We did say welcome a bit where it was where there was profit but we didn't really say welcome and obviously bringing more, more people into NATO in one's opinion uh, does, does not, uh, does not, does not help that. At all. Well, because there was, there was zero possibility of Russia joining NATO. Oh yeah, like, no, dude, I'm not saying, but this is what I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you bring Russia into NATO, but. No, 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 but I, I actually, I was actually bringing that up to actually support your point because mm. it's like, they were, they were never going to be in, invited to that party. It's no, like, no, no. here's yeah. this great <laughs> exactly. club. Yeah. They, they were never going to be offered an uh, invitation. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if you know about the, the origins of NATO, but NATO was created to resist and oppose and defend against the Soviet Union. Yeah. And the Soviet Union ceases to exist, but NATO carries on now. You know, many people would say to me, "Oh, that's because NATO's mission had changed, and and blah 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 had changed." And you're like, "Well, yeah," but at the same time, this distinctly, this explicitly anti-Soviet and therefore anti-Russian alliance. But what would you say to people? What would you continues. say to people who say that it was it was only created to avoid the horrors of the Second World War? Yes. Yeah. Well, you, the irony you... being, of course, we learned from the First World War that massive alliances don't. Don't you mean the League of Nations? <laughs> no, I mean the the I mean the uh, triple entente and the triple alliance. So it was uh, like, this system will work perfectly if all yeah. the superpowers are allied in groups. Then it'll be great because war will <laughs> never happen. And then one of them declares war, and another one satellites. Like, oh no, shit! Now all of the superpowers are in a battle. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one of the other things that I wanted to um, bring up with you is. The, to my mind, quite extraordinary uh, Western response to Russia, further isolating Russia, yes, yeah. and, and the Russian people, collateral damage in a, mm. quite a brutal way. Mm. But the, the broad alliance, uh, not even just Western, but like let's concentrate on Western, 141, I believe, countries in the UN condemned the action, which is that's mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. than just the West, but also... All of the sanctions and the economic pressure and mm. the companies dropping out and the even Germans sending military aid, all of this like broad alliance yeah. that we haven't seen for quite yeah. some time yeah. against Russia. That's that's one thing that I wanted to sort of get your take on. But then the pivot, because it's like it's all very well turning against Russia, but let's face it. No, no country is an island. And part of the reason, like, for example, Germany was so in bed with Russia is because of all of this gas. And yes. then I see this headline today. Germany yeah, agrees gas deal with Qatar to help end <laughs> dependency on Russia. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? I, I, I mean, on, just on the note of the oil thing, I thought it was brilliant because when, when the sanctions first happened, everyone was like, this is the beginning of net zero. This is the beginning of energy independence, no more fuel dependency. And now there's all these headlines about people making deals with Qatar, Saudi upping their export. I think uh, uh, Ireland were talking about this is going to be great because once the new uh, nuclear deal is made with Iran, we can start to buy Iranian oil. And it's just like, 
Yeah, yeah, unless we forget what fucking Saudi Arabia have been doing for the last, I don't know, oh. seven years to the well, so people of Yemen. They, they, well, exactly. No, I mean, dude, Yemen is 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 awful. I mean, it is it's it's as bad, if not worse, than the sort of uh, carelessness of uh, of of the Syrian war. Uh, although, obviously, you know, that could be the same. Of uh, I'll put the asterisk here and say I'm well aware that Afghanistan and Iraq and all these things are terrible. So let's yeah. maybe not get into a league table of who does what awful no, thing. No, of course. But, but you know, yeah, Yemen's diabolical. And was it they executed 81 blokes last year, uh, mm. Saudi, uh, uh, which is yeah. I think more than they've done in the last X. Yeah. No, 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 exactly. Um, so this is the thing. I think what's, that's been what's a bit disappointing in some ways about the uh, the suddenly united response of the West. I don't know. Look, I'm a bit... How do I feel? I don't know. It's very difficult. This is one of the reasons why I hate geopolitics, because there's a difference between, like, what you want in the world. So, by the way, obviously, what I want in the world is... Uh, is socialism uh glorious glorious uh profitless socialism some kind of united socialist republic yeah exactly yeah maybe uh, maybe of the, of the satellite yeah exactly yeah um so but this is one th- terrible thing about geopolitics and so therefore i'm not particularly keen on the you know american british standard way of life you know but then geopolitics turns up and you're like Right. So even though I sort of in in many ways disagree with my society, there is nonetheless my society, um, my culture. Uh, Mm. And the horrible thing about geopolitics is you're like, well, actually, all of a sudden, therefore, even though I don't like the side that I'm on, it is my side. Mm. Uh, which I think is one of the most depressing things about sort of geopolitics in general is you're like, well, the die is somewhat cast here and this is my side. There's this one I once sat in on a on a on a talk with uh, the ex-British ambassador to Warsaw, Sarajevo, and Moscow, and he said, you know, you know, every time there'd be a new government come in, there'd be a new foreign minister would come in and be like, oh, we want to be friends with this person, and the British, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, Foreign Office, uh, would be like, we can't because historically they're not our friends. So it's like, well, what can't we do? No, you can't do deals with them because they're historically not our friends. These are our friends, these guys. And it's like, we don't like those guys. It's like, well, that's, they're our friends. <laughs> um, so how do I feel about the like? So, uh, I don't know. I'm a bit concerned in a way about the sort of the glorious rise of, dare I say, militarism. I mean, obviously militarism in Germany is disappointing. It, oh, look, it's, it's terrible to say that some blokes sat here in London and say German militarism is disappointing. Forgive me for casting aspersions on an entire people who have an extremely complex society and probably merely want to sort of, uh, you know, be a force of, uh, of, of, of moral good in a conflict. But personally, I quite liked their stance of saying, like, well, no, actually, we don't believe these sort of things are the answers. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, which is, I think, it's an it's an easier stance to take when you don't have, yeah, uh, the, what we're seeing today. Yeah, in no, exactly, exactly. And who knows? Obviously, maybe I sound like the worst sort of peacenik in the world by by saying that. I think what's interesting about the whole thing is that the geopolitics before now were in real shift. Like America was really on the down, yeah. even even amongst us, the rest of its Western allies. Like yeah. we we're all sort of. And that's not that hasn't that isn't just about Trump actually. That's that has origins in Iraq and Afghanistan. Trump obviously didn't help, and then Biden has sort of 
well, until now, of course, and his, his attitude or America's attitude, not his, there's such a thing as individuals, mm, uh, uh, has been very different. And, and this is one thing, America is suddenly now back in the fold and they're now very much back leading the way. All of a sudden, they're, all of a sudden they're, they're needed and wanted again, if, yeah. if you will. Um, geopolitics was in real shift before. You know, China were very much on, a, on the rise. Mm. It's obviously still on the rise. They haven't suddenly stopped. Mm. But obviously all these things were happening without war. All these things were happening due to economics, due to peace, due to domestic politics. And now everything is potentially being drawn into a very, very sharp uh, focus. And again, what I was talking about before about sides, all of a sudden sides are once again becoming the, 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 the talk of the day. So do you think um, there's some reality in which China does take a side? I can't imagine now this yeah, I mean, this far so in that they, I, they I, throw their yeah. weight behind Russia. I just so don't I'm gonna see put, it happening. I'm going to put my hands up here and say, hey, if I don't know anything about Russia, I know like nothing about China because, I mean, you need to be a real expert about China. But yeah, obviously, what, I mean, what do they do now? I mean, they're like... You know, so obviously the, there's a lot of articles that go around. There's some articles that say this is exactly what China wants. They want a divided world, and they want they want that they want this conflict. And then there are other ones that say, well, no, this has been terrible. China have actually been doing a very good job of increasing their geopolitical power without any of these crises. Yeah. They have been absolutely on the rise, and now this sort of thing means that they might have to start to change their politics. You know, um, uh, uh, do they? Do they stay close to Russia? Do they leave Russia behind? Do they, because of the wealth of, well, the sheer world response, which has been very strong, do they go, oh, okay, well, let's just build a world because, you know, we're not done doing what we're doing yet. Uh, yeah, no, big questions about what they do. And unfortunately, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about, about, I don't think anyone about does. To, to say. Um, what's going on you know it's it's a it's a locked box isn't it like if we think we we've got some insight into Putin <sighs> yeah. like the amount but of this, insight this, this, this is, is I mean, I th- but this is what I'm saying I mean I think this is why this is why experts are important because you know just here sort about Russia well what have we talked about here I've talked I've gone on I've banged on about the fact that I think it's all about Syria uh, other people bang on about the fact that they think it's all about NATO uh, and then other people bang on about the fact all sorts of things and it's like the reality is we you and I in our lifetime may actually never know what mm. it was all about. This is a wonderful thing that I learned. Uh, really, like the, the First World War poets, right? You know, those guys that wrote poems so about, about how terrible war was. Yeah. When do you think they got famous? When do you think people started to actually care? The 90s? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, really late. Yeah. So it's actually a bit earlier than that. I think it's like the I think it's the seventies. But still, right. it's this weird thing because you read it and you're like, oh right. So during the war, immediately after the war, mm. everyone knew how terrible it was because these poems were coming out. Dulce et like, decorum est. Look at all these poems. Everyone must have known yeah. how bad it was. And you're like, no, actually, nope. for eighty. Well, no, hang on. For for six. Well, for a good half decade. For a good yeah, half yeah, century. Yeah. No, there was none of that discourse on the First World War at all. The discourse was it was glorious and people died for their country protecting what they there was, you know, and you're like, okay, so mm. loads of people who experienced that war died without that narrative ever being introduced to the mainstream. This is, um, yeah, Pro Patro Mori, right? It's, uh, yeah, exactly. I was, I was in uh, Chislehurst Caves recently. I don't know if you've ever been there. Oh, I have never been to Chislehurst Caves. Fascinating area in Kent, uh, originally dug up thousands and thousands of years ago. Anglo-Saxons used it, Romans used it. Great. And then, and then the First World War it was used as a munitions store. 
uh, by the Arsenal, the Royal Arsenal. And then in the Second World War, it began being used as like an air raid shelter, eventually expanding to the fact that there were over 15,000 people down in these caves. Wow. Some of them who started to live there, some of them who lived there for years. Right. And it was transformed into this whole underground society. This wow working thing there was a hospital there was a post office there were lavatories there was a bunk bed system there were pitches and yeah it's this fascinating thing um but the reason i bring it up actually is not really because of the caves themselves although they're well worth a visit but there's a little museum area where they have printouts of uh newspaper headlines right right and there's this one on the day that they found out that hitler had killed himself but right. not hitler had killed himself that Hitler had died. And then the successor, I think his name was Admiral, Admiral Donitz, gives this speech being like, the, the United States and Great Britain, the Anglo-Americans continue to try and push Bolshevism in, in Europe, but we yeah. will fight till the bitter end. Yeah. And uh, you know the death of our leader will not go you yeah. know, in vain. And it's like he carried on fighting to the bitter end. And there's yeah. all these little bits and this little headline of like, Hitler has died and he, you know, he was still fighting and all of his... No one has any idea that what he's done is this massive suicide pact. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's complete. No one has any idea. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just like breaking news, like you say. Yeah. And it's like, well, how long did it take? It's like, yeah, this conversation in two days could be redundant. For oh, yeah, no, dude, this, this, well, this or it amazing. could be valid for twenty-five yeah. years. I may be exalted as uh, as the only person <laughs> that understood the situation. Or I'll be like, what the hell is that guy going on about? It's miles from Syria. <laughs> um, but, yeah, well, no, exactly. And, oh, you know, and obviously I think in particular, I find, I find in general the whole individual focus on Putin to be very, very interesting because, so obviously from a historical perspective, you know, there are no such thing as, individuals that's like bad history to say that yeah know, the great man of history Churchill yeah, versus yeah, hitler exactly. versus roosevelt you know yeah. versus stalin that's like bad history um but then again also you've got a situation but, but you know although these people are not are not those the individuals individuals also have an effect particularly when they are when they are powerful and so it, it, i would love to hopefully be alive when it works out what exactly is going on there on an individual level because you hear all sorts of mental stuff going around uh you know do you see the guy the, the old chap on bbc that's sort of going like going on about standing on anabolic steroids no yeah i thought you i i i, I don't know who is he this was. a clip on what so bbc I think it was on like Newsnight. i don't know he what was assad having... was on steroids no, not sad. Um, not sad. Putin. Putin's yeah, on yeah, steroids. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I really hope you've got some good source material here, dude, because you are saying this on national television. <laughs> uh <laughs> Let's see if we can find it. Okay, that sounds uh, suitably insane. Yeah, it sounds pretty mental, doesn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Lord sorry. It's been, pretty, been a pretty dry podcast until now. Thank God, Chris finally got a, a sort of daft <laughs> in at the end. People know <laughs> what they're doing. Uh, firing unarmed Ukrainians. Um, Mr. Owen, I think his immunity is compromised either by cortical steroids given him for some other ailment or he's on the steroids you give to people with body lifting and weightlifting. I wish we could see a video of this. Um, Lord he says really, Owen. He says, he says it really, really normally and nobody, nobody challenges him. They also don't engage with him. 
<laughs> you know, no one sort of goes, you're a fool, Lord Owen. But nor do they say, that's it, Lord Owen, you've smashed it. But then there was this, did you ever read Blitzed? Um, which was uh, this book that came out, I think, um, about five years ago or something. Oh, right. Uh, which, it's, it's incredible. It, it's, um, it's basically a rundown of, so the whole of the Blitzkrieg, the... Uh, well, no, more more the, um, the the operation into France, but but a lot of the um, uh, advances that Germany made, uh, especially in the race to Dunkirk and, yeah. and all of that, yeah, they as part of their rations, yes. they had a certain amount of milligrams of something called pervitin, yes. which they yes. took every single day, which is methamphetamines. Yeah, so they were they were banging speed the whole yeah, time wired, yeah and yeah. wired to fuck yeah, right yeah. and that's just well known yeah but there's also the private journals of hitler's personal doctor who was a complete quack yeah. he wasn't like a medical doctor he just like kind of wormed his way in and he was injecting hitler oh, with yeah. all kinds of stuff yeah. this is really um, like hydrocodone and and all of this that's what i really love about that fantastic film downfall uh, the German film uh, yes. in the bunker because it gives little hints to that. It's never there, but you know he, you know, Hitler's a mess and he's being injected with all sorts of crazy things. Um, yeah, no, but this is this is the sort of fascinating thing, isn't it? That's what I was saying before. Obviously, there's no such thing as individuals. It's all about you know broad social movements. But by the same example, there is also those those moments. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Lord Owen, yeah, there he is. I can't find the the exact clip. Um, I, I can only find reporting on the clip. What was so weird is that it was just really normal. That was the whole thing. You know, no one sort of... It was right at the end. It was like the last thing anyone said before they said, thank you, good night for the week, you know. So he just says he's just addicted to steroids. Uh, you can get addicted to them. It's very difficult to get off it. it brings out aggression, makes a personality change. We, I mean, we don't have any... He, he's not presented any proof, but that seems to be his position. Who knows who Lord Owen is? I mean, mm. is he? Does he have any I credibility? Used to be a, I think he used to be an MP. I think he used to be a, a minister of something. I mean, hopefully, for his sake. This is what I was saying when I was watching it. I was like, God, I hope you've got some good stuff here, dude, because you've just gone out on a wing here. Politician and physician. Okay, so he's got some standing in that. He was. Foreign Secretary from 77 to 79. Yeah, but, but where's he got... He's, he's just made it... Where's he got his info? I mean, maybe maybe he does. Maybe he knows the guy that's selling things to Putin. Who knows? But, yeah. I think yeah. it was a bit mental. I thought it was very... When he said it, I was like, have you just read that somewhere on the internet? And... Well, what do you it. what do you make of the pictures that... Because, you know, the now now what's happened in Russia is they have silenced opposition in an oh, yeah. un unprecedented way shut yeah. down any dissenting voices so it seems so it seems exactly. yes yeah. draconian laws by the way another piece of evidence for this possible fsb letters being interesting is that the fso which is like the secret seat the secret police of the secret police <laughs> uh raided the fsb headquarters in the aftermath of the letters uh being released and it's like mm. okay right okay so maybe maybe something is going on yeah yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that definitely that definitely adds fuel to that fire because why else would they do that yeah yeah uh. but again everybody don't read those things don't read those letters as if they are 100 percent accurate because we don't know that <laughs> <laughs> um but wait what was i where was i going with that 
Uh, you're going that. What's, what do you make of what's going on? They're, they're clamping things down internally. They are. In a, a yeah. So, so because of that, because of all those, you know, the new laws that have been introduced, sort of like 15 years for quote unquote misinformation, which yeah, basically means yeah. we can lock you up for saying whatever you, yeah, yeah. we don't like. So there's this carefully manicured image that that they're putting forward and yeah. there's the arnold video i don't know if you've seen oh that. god it's amazing incredible yeah. I'll, I'll link to it in the show. My god, yeah. you've got to watch schwarzenegger apparently obama apparently there's talk in the obama administration of making him ambassador to um russia for these reasons because because uh, yeah. there's sort of this sort of seemingly mutual respect anyway go on um but amongst all of that, we still have these official pictures of Putin, who's now like doing these rallies where apparently yeah, people are yeah. being forced to attend. But, you know, in, in negotiations and stuff, you have this table that's so long that he is. He, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. these are yeah. officially sanctioned pictures coming yeah. out of the Kremlin. Yeah. Yeah. where he is literally at the end of yeah. this crazy yeah. long table yeah. with his quote-unquote closest advisors. Apparently, yeah, apparently he's taken the uh, the isolation very seriously. Is I wonder. See, this believe. is where my conspiracy brain comes in. It's like, is I know he was paranoid about COVID, but is this now quite a convenient excuse to make him seem like he is making all these decisions? Well, yeah. Okay, well, so, I, but, and he isn't? I can't imagine that he is making all the decisions by himself. Yeah. I, I mean, well, listen, he needs the oligarchs. You think not. No, no. It's not quite China where it's like, mm. you know, remember no. Jack Ma? He's the Alibaba CEO. He's the richest man in China. Right. And they had him locked up for a yes. couple of months. He, he disappeared. Because he got powerful. Yeah. He got too yeah. powerful. So yeah. they just lock him up. Yeah. And he comes out and then he's like, I love China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not... yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because but then so 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 I am, you know, when I say I'm not an expert, I'm an enthusiast. I'm a real enthusiast about all these sort of things. So, for example, yeah. uh, when he was making his opening speech about this, which was just before the invasion, you know, he, he gave this huge speech about about how the, the break of the USSR was a disaster, how Ukraine is no, any of these... Uh, it's not a real these, country. None of these are places of real countries, exactly. So I, I had to I had to surf the... Because the BBC was telling me all about COVID restrictions, and I was like, a leader of the world <laughs> is right now giving a mega, mega full-on speech. I had to watch it on Al Jazeera. Uh, right. uh, um, uh, and it was a really weird thing in that. Did you watch it? Have you watched it in full? It's, I haven't I watched it in full, in full, but I, I've watched some of it, yeah. But then this weird bit where, like, all of the other... I think actually it might be... Before, I, can't remember, I can't remember if they speak before or after, because I think I saw it mixed up. But anyway, there's a bit where all the ministers sort of stand up and they sort of play lip service to what he's just said. And it's really weird, because some of them definitely don't want to be saying it. Mm. Some of them are looking like they're absolutely shitting themselves. Unfortunately, I don't know enough about Russian internal politics to know exactly who, who these players are, but it was really strange to mm. watch. And it was like, okay. Choreographed. Choreographed and sort of there's this there's choreography going on. There's like lines being fed. There's people that don't want to say their lines. There's people that are being watched to make sure they say their lines. Very, very weird stuff going on there but then you see again people talk, let's 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 you know let's go back to what i said about the fso raising the fsb mm. fs might have nothing to do with the fsb letters might be to do with the fact that these you know one some of these people that were looking nervous fsb people apparently you know obviously if we if we 
I think we can pretty safely say the war isn't going as well as Russia would have liked. Yeah. And so thus, heads have got a role. Maybe it's just that. But therefore, by that example, heads have got a role somewhere. Yeah, it's it's very weird what's going on there. But then again, you see, you've got to think about, again, we look at it from the outside and we go, well, that's fucking weird. You fucking Boris Johnson stood up yesterday and was it today even? And I think it was like the, strug- the struggle in Ukraine is exactly the same as the Brexit vote. And you've got to think, well, actually, if I'm someone external looking in, uh, I'm probably going to be thinking that Boris Johnson is just as, you know, Boris Johnson and therefore the UK is just as mental, corrupt, uh, whatever, as, as, as somebody looking in at Putin uh, and seeing things like that. So, yeah. you know, you've always got to think about you know, for sure. What, what I mean, like it goes outside. without saying we are not here to shill for our government. They're a fucking shower yes. of shit. Oh, God, aren't they so. terrible? Bless them. Yeah. And they're screwed, of course, because obviously we have been the main, uh, you know, what's the word? Smelting pot, melting pot. I'm sorry, smelting pot's more accurate because it was talking <laughs> about gold for, yeah, for all Russian of the kleptocratic money. money coming out of the former Soviet Union. They've all been, yep. they've all been coming here, property, football clubs, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we've been caught with. I mean, with our pants down and with our pockets full. Uh, and it's like, oh, hello, what? We, this isn't cool now, is it? But okay, we seized right. it all, Chris. Don't you think there's going to be some payout? You know, every every British man gets a pound 50. Yeah, exactly. Could you love it? Yeah, he's like, oh, thank you, sir. There's your shilling. It's awfully shiny, sir. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. yeah. So again, what, what is the what is the? Because I've probably got to sort of wrap up at some point. Yeah. I've got to go and help Pascal get ready. Yeah. What are our conclusions from this? That obviously, essentially, that we know nothing, but that we suspect about the mainstream discourse. Quite rightly, um, follow Bellingcat. That is. I mean, I probably could have just made this a five-minute conversation and just mm. said, follow Bellingcat, read everything they post, uh, retweet, and uh, make your own, do your own research around it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably, that's a good takeaway. Certainly Bellingcat, I didn't know about that. And um, Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you, you're, about seems... to, you're about to go really in as well because you've got 25 days worth of tweets to, <laughs> to absorb now. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then you might come back to me. You might come out with a map going. It's actually all about. <laughs> if you haven't sent me too far down the rabbit yeah, hole, exactly. Nobody's thinking about Georgians. The Georgians—they've been here all along. Or oh, have they? Yes, indeed. Oh well, exactly. Yeah. No, but I hope she's okay, man. You must be, you yeah. know, worried yeah. about her going yeah. so close yeah. to the conflict. I genuinely do not believe. Russia are going to set no. boots into any NATO country. I don't think they as are crazy now. as you think it, Putin it, might it, be. In it's not going to happen. In the fervor of the first three days, it felt like it was inevitable, didn't it? But actually, yeah. you know, no. And I think this is the other thing I suppose, a leaving thought, which is why why one why geopolitics can also be a real real horrible thing because we start to think about all of these abstract states as you know individual entities with uh, you know uh, what's the word. Uh, opportunities to take advantage of and risks to avoid and mm. actually what's actually happening is there's lots of, there's millions of real life human beings 
uh, really, really suffering. 10 million, uh, uh, this is the latest count, who've lost their homes, over exactly. 4 million refugees. Exactly. And so I think, you know, whenever it's sort of, you know, it's not, I know it's not as simple as are you pro-Russian or anti-Russian. It's not that simple. No. But it, let's, for the sake of this point, boil it down to that. It's like, well, fundamentally, you just have to be like, we have to be against this horrible awful thing who cares if nato were aggressively expanding who cares if russia deserve a sphere of influence who cares if actually the syrian war has been going on for longer and why don't we care about that who cares really because this has got to stop here actually i suppose we should care about the fact that the syrian war has gone even longer no and we uh, but, but it's not that you're saying that who cares as in like we shouldn't care about that but it's like but that doesn't that shouldn't detract away from anything that we're seeing today. You know, some some of the toxic debate I've seen online, it's like, oh, now we care about Ukraine, but we don't care about Yemen. It's like, no, yeah. we also care about Yemen. Yeah, but what, now... I about that, what I always say about that is what the weird thing is there that is like, that's weird because you're now, so what's happening is there's a good, there's the, there's the correct reaction to a conflict, outrage, horror, sanction, and you appear to be trying to silence the correct response yeah. because it wasn't given before. I, too, am disappointed that we didn't respond, inverted commas, correctly before, but we're, ex- we're responding, inverted commas, correctly now. So let's let's please focus on the fact that we're responding, Hold inverted commas, correctly now. And uh, let's hope nobody assassinates Zelensky because I think yes. we yeah. need that man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a shame you brought him up right at the end because uh, <laughs> I had to. What, what, what an interesting character! Yeah. I thought it was really interesting what Rob said, which is like, actually, no, like no one really liked, you know, like it was like my mum voted for him, but yeah, no one really thought he was great. And then he sort of just suddenly they were like, hey, the first speech he gave is like just came from a different man. Yeah, yeah, really <laughs> yeah. interesting. I thought the thing with Rob was really interesting because again. Ah, oh, you know, you think you do all this reading, you do all everything, and then someone that's inside talks to you, and you're like, "Oh, okay, that's that's amazing." Uh, yeah. uh, thank you for so, Rob. If you are listening to this, I really enjoyed uh, listening to what you had to say. I'm sorry if anything that I've just said right now is a terribly academic, useless uh, analysis of your real life situation. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. But that was kind of the idea of this: is to get a bit more of a zoomed out perspective we've had rob's side we're going to have a russian on the show soon as well oh well that'll be interesting yeah um yeah so yeah. but thanks very much for giving your time chris Not at all. and, and um, um yeah uh let's do a let's do a let's do a funnier podcast uh at a later date when <laughs> uh when the russian ukrainian war has dragged on for a decade and we we don't care anymore you bastard <laughs> i know right I, it could happen yeah yeah. All right. All right. right. See, you later, uh, See you later, dude. See you later. Have a good one, and I'll chat to you in a bit. You see Cheers, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please give us five stars and consider becoming a subscriber and maybe even supporting us on Patreon. Really, really, really helps me continue making this show. Uh, If you haven't enjoyed it, then you can fuck off. Many, many thanks to Nils Hennis Steer for the amazing music and to Dave Fox for the cool artwork. Please keep coming back every week for more Bliss of the Abyss.